Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Welcome and thanks for listening. Walt and I look forward to this time each week. You know, sitting on our coffee table right now is a little wooden block and painted on the front are the words, Oh, come, let us adore him. I love these words. And I often sing the chorus, Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. I hope you also are singing words of adoration to the Lord in this season. He is truly worthy of our praise. Well, when we open the pages of our Bible and we look for the story of Jesus' birth, we we probably first turn to Luke 2, and then we might thumb back to Matthew's Gospel. Well, today we want to share a bit of Joseph's story found in Matthew 1. Let's begin in verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her son, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, shame her, resolved to divorce her quietly. Matthew clearly tells his readers Jesus the Messiah was to be born. And now he gives the details regarding his mother and the man she was betrothed to marry. And and this young couple, they're betrothed to be married. And in this culture, betrothal was far more than an engagement uh, that we would consider in our culture. It was a time of waiting and preparation for the marriage celebration and really this covenant ceremony to occur. These two individuals who formally committed themselves to be married through the betrothal process, they were considered a, kind of an official couple. And notice Joseph is even called her husband. This is before the marriage occurs and it's consummated. Joseph is to be preparing a place for them to live. And in the midst of this and the excitement, this is coming up. Mary disappeared from Nazareth for three months. Luke 1 t- tells us, that she went to see her cousin Elizabeth, who'd been barren for years, but was now expecting a miraculous son, John the Baptist. But before their marriage took place, the text makes this clear. Mary is still a virgin. Matthew states this clearly for his readers, and do not miss this detail. The virgin birth of Jesus Christ is a foundational theological truth that, that we must cling to. And there's a lot involved there, even the the transmission of the sin nature through the male and why he needs to be of a virgin. But with that is this, this is an important point. This isn't just added on. Mary became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, Matthew wants the reader to know that this is not a normal conception. The reader needs to understand this is miraculous. This is the expected one, the long-awaited Messiah, finally about to appear on the earth. And Joseph, I I just have to wonder what his emotions were. I I try to put myself in in his place. Um, I would have felt disappointment 
and, and anger and a sense of betrayal, but also a lot of confusion. As I've been reading this text over, Joseph had watched Mary. She was a godly woman. They, they grew up in the same small town. What had happened? He thought he knew Mary, and now what's going on? And he planned to provide for Mary as his wife and any future family the Lord would give him for the rest of his life as long as he would live. And these dreams, it seems like they must have just evaporated into thin air. And yet, Joseph is a righteous man. The text makes that clear. This reminds us of an important similarity between four key people in the story that we've been talking about. Remember last week, we talked about Elizabeth and Zacharias. They were godly, and they were righteous, and yet they were barren. And we talked about Mary, that she's found favor with God, but um, her life is about to be turned upside down. And then Joseph, he's a righteous man, and, and he didn't want to bring public shame and disgrace on Mary, and even the possibility of physical harm. Uh, there's allowance for, for women who've broken this covenant to be stoned to death. And we might ask the question, what's God doing with Joseph, this righteous man? And um, as I've studied this, it seems that Joseph loved mercy over the law, just his not only being concerned about Mary, who's just publicly shamed him, but wanting to, he actually loved the heart of God, the mercy and the grace and the compassion more than the letter of the law. And as I come to this, I, I consider my head to heart. Um, and this is one of those that uh, I've got to be careful because I could get emotional here. Um, just because you walk in a righteous way, does not mean that you won't face difficult, um, hard, messy, and confusing things in your life. Um, you will. Um, I have. Um, these words from a wonderful hymn often comfort me in times like that, in confusing and difficult and messy times. I love these words. Mercy there was great, and grace was free. Pardon, there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Thanks for sharing that, Walt. And those those are true. And I, I love that about our head-to-heart times because we truly do. We want you as our listeners, but, but we want you to know that Walt and I, when we sit in these scriptures and in these texts, we we do ask the Lord, search our hearts. You know, we want to know how we can grow, how we can be different. Well, you know, it just seems like Joseph had no warning. You know, they were betrothed. You know, this this time of waiting and preparation for their marriage ceremony. And all of a sudden, Mary disappeared. That's what we learned in Luke 1. She she left Nazareth in a hurry. We said that last week in our podcast. You know, his heart was set on marrying this young wim- woman, and three months later, she comes back, and it. we don't know exactly how it happened. You yeah. know, while well, you and I talked about that, we don't know exactly how he found out, but it, it seems, according to the text, it seems that he knew that she was pregnant. But he has a tender heart. <laughs> Do you see that in Joseph? He's filled with compassion and care. And in fact, he's as he's thinking about this, he has decided he will divorce her quietly. And you know, at this point in the story, I have to look back at the genealogy of Christ found in the first verses of Matthew 1. 
uh, reminds me when I was studying in Bible college, the professor in my class on the Gospels um, asked this question on the final exam. And, you know, <laughs> I just, I've got to chuckle because I'll never forget this because I didn't answer correctly. I got one wrong on my final exam. Um, and believe me, when I got out of the exam, I thumbed to Matthew 1 very quickly. But the question was, who are the five women found in Matthew's genealogy? And this is a, an unheard of list. Number one is Tamar. Who's Tamar? Well, back in Genesis, she played the harlot with her father-in-law, Judah. He had disrespected her. He had not followed the law according to her. Tamar. Number two is Rahab. Well, we see Rahab as we come into the book of Joshua, as Israel's crossing the Jordan River and going to come into the promised land. Who is she? She is the prostitute, the prostitute from Jericho. And then three, we see Ruth. She's a Moabite woman. She had married um, an Israelite man. And there is not a good relationship between the Israelites and the Moabites and the Ammonites. There is just not a good relation between those nations. Number four, the woman's name isn't even given in the genealogy but rather she is referred to as the wife of Uriah. And if we think about that story, this woman was involved in adultery with King David, and and he had her husband murdered. Those four women, and then listed is Mary, the mother of Jesus. What has happened to this woman? What is going on here? And, you know, this this list is counterintuitive. Mm. Generally speaking, a genealogy of a great king from the past would include famous and successful queens and princesses. But Matthew points out women who are broken and who are sinful, and most of them aren't good Jewish girls. They're Canaanites, and they're Moabitesses, and they're from Jericho, and they're broken, and there's shame there. And that's who's in the genealogy of Jesus? Yeah, and, and I, you know, I love that you point that out, Walt, because that should give each of us great hope. God has declared them to be redeemed, forgiven. They are being honored in this genealogy. They're included in the royal line of David, leading to God's gift, the Messiah, Friends, this is the God we trust, that we believe in, that we adore. And I head to heart, we we just have to look at this. Every one of us, each of us is broken. We have all sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And yet, God the Father sent his beloved son to redeem us. The details of his birth helped to prepare our hearts for his coming. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son a perfect gift. Whosoever will believe in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Well, returning to Joseph, who is this man and and what was the importance of his role in the life of young Jesus? Um, his name, his very name means God will give. And by the way, in this uh, story, his actions 
and, and his words, few as they be, are, are going to be very giving and forgiving. Um, and the text tells us that Jesus had to be born this way of a virgin. In Isaiah 7.14, it tells us a virgin will conceive and bear a son and will call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Uh, Jesus needs a human man to fulfill the role of a father while he is on earth. Why? Well, first of all, they had to have a family lineage, the line of David, and both Joseph and Mary are in this lineage of David. That's why Joseph had to take Mary to leave Galilee, to leave the town of Nazareth, to go to Judea, to the city of David, which is Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Matthew's going to travel um, before birth, Jesus' birth to Bethlehem from Nazareth, a, a trip that was um, long and hard down through the hill country. Then after Jesus' birth, he would go and lead his family down into Egypt to escape um, the threats of death from Herod the Great. Um, Joseph would provide for a home and food and shelter. He would keep them warm and safe and dry. And then normally the father, the human father, would provide training. He, they would attend the local synagogues, the father and her son. And even Joseph is listed as having visited the temple in Jerusalem with Jesus. You know, it's interesting. With all this being said, you would say, okay, so everything's going to end up great. Well, not quite. There's still a stigma of sexual immorality that followed Jesus through his life. Um, and with that, some shame to the thought of, of Joseph and what he was involved in. I'm reading in John eight thirty nine, Jesus is saying to the religious authorities, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works that Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. And they, these religious authorities, said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father even God. And in this phrase, born of sexual immorality, it's an insinuation that Jesus was an illegitimate child. And you know, as as Joseph is is considering this whole situation and he's he's put in this position, as it were, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her, bring shame to Mary but rather resolved to divorce her quietly. These are his thoughts. This is where he thinks he should be involved in, in what he needs to do. An angel of the Lord then appears to him in a dream. And this is what the angel says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will have a son and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You know, the normal way people received revelation from the Lord in Old Testament times was through angelic visitation, dreams, and visions. And that is what's happening here. This woman has become pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and this had never occurred in the history of the world. This is something different something God-ordained. And God, the personal creator of Adam and Eve, he did conceive the God-man Jesus inside Mary's womb. And you know, it's important, we must always remember that 
He is the eternal Son of God. He's been with God the Father in the beginning. Um, there are texts that even talk in Genesis about, about God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and we were told that's Jesus. He's there. Um, and Joseph, he would name him Jesus just as, as the angel instructed. I love that. Um, he had joy in the responsibility of serving as a human father of this Savior of the world. And, and even as Joseph heard this angel's message, he obeyed, and he did as the angel instructed him. There doesn't seem to be hesitation or further pondering. Um, the text says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded, and he took as his wife Mary. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. And the Matthew's gospel goes on in chapter 13 to say that Jesus would have other half-brothers and half-sisters through the union of, of Mary and Joseph. And that would occur. They'd even list, um, is this not the carpenter's son? And is his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James and Joseph and Simeon and Judah? There's going to be other children, but not yet and not now. There's this holiness even there, as Joseph says, no, I'm not going to have a sexual relations until this special child is born. Well, as our story concludes and we're taking this closer look at Joseph, we've got this reminder from the prophet Isaiah, and this is the fulfillment of a prophecy. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through Isaiah. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will bring, give birth, bring forth a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know, friends, God delights in performing miraculous works through ordinary, um, everyday, but godly men and women so that he alone will receive all the glory, all the adoration due his name. Well, until our next time together, we want to encourage you to take some time in prayer. Ask God to help you grow this week in your personal walk with God. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America and outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.